0: Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. Welcome to today's Beeson Podcast. Well, Dr. Smith, here we are again with a sermon by a great classic preacher, Dr. E.B. E. Hill. Undoubtedly. He was the pastor of Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles. He had a ministry that stretched all the way around the world. He actually came to Beeson Divinity School and preached in our pastor school on several occasions. He was a friend to both of us. He was unique, Dr. Was. Hill. And this is a unique sermon. It was his wife's funeral sermon. He called his wife Baby. And she had asked him to preach her funeral. Mm-hmm. And we're going to listen to Dr. E.V. Hill preaching the funeral of his own wife. Tell us what we're going to hear. To thyself
1: be true. E.V. Hill is authentically E.V. Hill here. That's very important. He preaches a sermon from Job 121. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And gives a title to this sermon, My Wife's Death in Biblical Perspective. I appreciated uh, the message for several reasons. Uh, It is biblically supported. In fact, he indicts those who would only agree with the first part of that statement, the Lord has given, but others, and I know it's even popular today in some circles, that the devil takes away.
0: He said, don't give the devil that much power. (laughs) Yes,
1: but as he says... Jesus said that the devil comes to rob, steal, kill in the store. He didn't say he would do it. And I thought that was uh, comical, and I think that's true in terms of God being sovereign. Uh, here is a, as I said, biblically supported text. He does it uh, by honoring his wife's parent. I think that's good. Uh, he uh, he honors his wife as being an encourager and gives an example, a protector, gives an example, and being excitable and gives an example even to the point of um, making his wife a model uh, for those who are of the feminine gender, and closes the sermon by showing that even as a preacher, that he struggled with God, this whole idea of hope, and asked God to save her, and... God just said two things to him in his spirit, trust me. And he gives this long litany, Dean, as Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. of scriptures that confirm the fact that God is in charge. And even though he takes her away, he closes by talking about just wait, that there is eschatological hope that this is not the end.
0: You know, this is a great sermon. It's a, it's a funeral sermon, but it has humor in it. Yes, it does. And he speaks in a very traditionalist way about women and so forth, feminism. Uh, so that's just E.V. Hill. That's, that's who I... he was. He's speaking out of that context and preaching the sermon for his own wife at her request. Yes. Unforgettable experience to listen to this sermon by Dr. E.V. Hill, preaching the sermon, funeral sermon for his wife, baby. let's listen
2: I don't know how to express myself and to thank all of you who have come from so many places and not any of you have had to be asked to come all of you called and said I'm on my way I have not stood as an act of super strength. Nor a selfish effort. I have no special strength for this task. I have never done this before. This is an unusual experience. But I stand fulfilling a promise that my member asked of me. My member said, Preach my funeral. And I am not only I was not only her husband and lover, I'm her pastor. I shall I baptized her and I shall bury her remains. There'll be some rough spots.
3: <clears throat>
2: and you'll just have to help me. I said to someone who called me today, this morning, they said, Hill, how are you feeling? I said, I, I feel like I had a 12 point on the Richter scale in my chest. And I said there's a lot still falling. I said but I'm experiencing two things. I'm experiencing tears. And I'm experiencing strength. Rare combination. I'm crying. And I'm getting stronger. And he promised that as my days, so will my strength. He did promise that. And so I have come. I shall preach today from the subject, My Wife's Death in Biblical Perspective. My text is Job one twenty one. The Lord gave And the Lord Hath taken away Blessed Be the name Of the Lord The Lord gave And the Lord hath taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. My wife's death in biblical perspective, my doctor's explained in medical perspective the passing of my wife. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Now, I recognize that this is a controversial text. Many say that the Lord giveth, but they say it is not right to say he taketh away. This is a raging controversy among you preachers who are having trouble just accepting the word. (laughs) Many preachers now are so deep in Greek
3: (laughs) and the original
2: language of which few of us have seen a copy (laughs) until we're having trouble just accepting the word. And so there is this great controversy about the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. They say that the Lord, in fact, does give, but the devil takes away. They say, according to the scriptures, the devil has come to steal and to kill. But the Bible didn't say he would do it. He said he came to do it. And if you don't have no shepherds, he will do it. But when the Lord is your shepherd, come to do whatever he wants, but he's got to get permission to touch me. He just can't walk up to me and take my life. Life is not in the hand of
3: Satan. Don't don't give him that power.
2: If you give him that power, all of us are going to be dead before nightfall. of believers like this live if he has death in his hand. I read in my scripture that Jesus said I have the key to both death, hell and the grave. A great gift. She was a gift from the union of great parents. I want to pay respect and honor to the parents of my wife. My wife was well brave. My wife's father was a distinguished man. Got his PhD from Cornell University in 1920. <laughs> My wife's mother was secretary to Felton Clark Sr. at Southern University of Baton Rouge. She was secretary to the lady who organized Phyllis Wheatley homes throughout America. My wife was well bred. <laughs> And I want to drop a word, be careful who your children are mating up with.
3: You <laughs> can't get no
2: racehorses out of mules. Sitting here, fell in love with something that knocked on my door once.
3: <laughs>
2: and he said, "There's no rules here." I said, "Here," I said, "Not for you."
3: <laughs>
2: well, I come to say, you can't. You mean I can't say no? Who said so? I did. I'm her father. You don't even look like
3: <laughs> what I'm
2: looking for. That right. is it her choice? No. Her mother went to death's door, and I have since then taken over and paid for everything. And best we can, unless she goes crazy. <laughs> We're going to try to give us a something that has some potential. You got to break up something. Now we come running down. Was that for me? No. That wasn't for you at all. Well, wasn't that so and so? Yes. Well, why did why did you run him away? I said because he wasn't for you. And she looked at me and she said, "Well, I think he's a nice
3: poison." And I said, "Go
2: get your mother. I want to ask her a question. I have never had no doubts before, but I, I, I want to know now: Are you really mine?" in anger and attempted to hurt me, but it didn't because I I was aware of a motive. She said, I will never marry a man like you. You're a chauvinist. You're a dictator. She said, you're good for my mother, but never for me. So I finally married her. I'm the president of the National Chauvinist Association. I married her to the Vice President.
3: I could not have been better,
2: please. I said you pick it, and you acting like a heel now. And every now and then, when I'm alone with her, and when I'm thanking God for my son-in-law, my daughter's an attorney practicing in Bronx, New York, and my son-in-law is an attorney practicing on Wall Street. You have to meet them up. I said, I said to her, I think he's a nice boy. and is John Milton Carellas, a sweet child. She honored her parents. She loved them dearly. She labored beside the bedside of her father till death. She kept in her home her mother till death and made her last days a best day, the Lord gave. She was never any trouble to her parents. The Lord gave in baby. A great student. She was trained in the best of schools. Born on a university campus, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Reared on a university campus, Furview University. She was exposed to the great minds and personalities, the Marin Andersons, the Mordecai Johnsons, yeah. the Benjamin Mays. Yeah. She had the best in rearing and in culture. And she be- aspired to become A feminine woman. It is amazing how a woman who never led a liberation movement, who would tell anybody, speak to my husband please, on any matter, who was never aggressive, who never said I should be elected to nothing, could quietly, with a feminine approach, fill up two churches in one day. (laughs) It might be saying something uh, to women. Uh, You may not have to get out here and fight with us. You might need to just be what God made you. She did not come by accident. She studied. She studied culture and refinement. And her greatest desire was to always be appropriate. She would often come to my bedside before going to Bible study, Daddy. And she would say, do I look all right? she would say am I pretty I had to say yesterday at the funeral home to an empty shell you're pretty you're classic. you're lady she studied and read classic literature she was an extremist in what was adequate and what was proper, extreme without being a show. She accepted Jesus Christ as a Savior and the Bible as a guide in all truth. The Lord truly gave. He gave you a sister, Rose. He gave you a sister, John. He gave our family a great woman. She was determined to be the best moral, spiritual, physical, clean, and appropriate woman ever given to a man. From a child. She wanted nothing to be spotted on her. She wanted to save herself, to give herself to a man. And so on August the 29th, 1955, 32 years ago, I received my wife, only God could give. I must confess, it was a one-sided affair. I only wish I could have been half as good as the woman I married. Through my wife, the Lord gave—I'm still on my
3: text—he
2: gave me an encourager. And I'd like if you would give me time to give you several examples. I invested in a service station down in Houston. Many of you remember my service station. And I lost my shirt. And my wife, for one of those rare moments, said to me, Edward, you don't have time for a service station. I wouldn't put any money in that. I said, I, I want to do it. She said, go right ahead. <laughs> and when I lost it, I, I called her and I said, well, I've lost the station. She said, all right. And when I got home, she wasn't at the door, and that's always her position would be at the door. I said, uh-huh, she's pouting, because we done lost this money. And I said, to her, baby, where are you? She said, I'll be out in a little bit. And she kept on. I said, she's she back there pouting, because she's trying to tell me she told me so. And she finally came out, and I said, now, what's wrong? She said, well, I've been figuring up something. I said, what have you been figuring? She said, well, I figured that you don't smoke and you don't drink. And if you had smoked and drank, you would have lost by smoking as much as you've lost in the service station. So six in one hand, half done in the other, let's forget it.
3: <laughs> She could
2: have broken me at that point. She could have said, I told you. I went home one evening at night, and I walked in the door, and there were candles everywhere. And I said to her, what meanest thou this?
3: <laughs>
2: she said, well, we've been married right at six months, and I just thought we would have a candlelight supper. And that sounded groovy to me. (laughs) And so she said, we're just going to eat by candlelight. But she forgot to put a candle in the bathroom. And I went in the bathroom to wash my face and cut on the lights and no light came. I went in the bedroom and cut on light and no light came. I went out and sat down. I said, baby, did they cut the lights off? She began to cry. She said, You worked so hard. And we're trying. It was pretty rough. And I didn't quite have enough money to pay the light bill. And I didn't want you to know about it. So I thought we would just eat by candles. She could have said, I've never been in this shape before. She could have said that. I was reared in the home of Dr. Carruthers, and we've never had our lights cut off. She could have said I could have married the young fellow whose father was president of Chile, I believe it was. He was president of Chile, and he came over. He was my brother-in-law's roommate, and he fell in love with my wife. And he said, come on back to Chile, my father is president of Chile. And she turned him down for me. She could have said that in Chile our lights would be on. But she didn't say it. She could have broken my spirit. She could have ruined me. She could have demoralized me. But she said, let's eat by count.") We'll turn the light on one day. Somehow or another, we're going to get these lights on, but let's eat by candles. She was my protector one week when I received quite a few death notices. And one night when I received a notice that I would be killed the next day, I, uh, I woke up thankful to be alive, but I noticed she was gone. And I looked out the window, and my car was gone. And I went outside, and finally she drove up in a row. And I said, Where have you been? She said, It just occurred to me that they put a bomb in that car last night, and that if you had gotten in there, you would have been blown away. So I got up and drove it. And she said, "It's all right." The Lord gave The greatest thing I liked about it is she was so excitable. It did not require fur coat. Just a simple print dress. It did not require. A Mercedes-Benz, just a simple Ford, and she was so excited. It did not require the stofa. She was happy at stop six. Never pushed, never contended. Her words were, if my husband and my children are all right, I'm all right the Lord gave. The Lord gave to Mount Corinth a great woman, but the Lord gave to Mount Zion a great woman, a great encourager. The Lord gave to this community a good citizen. And I could go on and on, for like Job, So far as a wife is concerned, I was one of the richest men of earth. It is because of this that the controversy arises. It is because of having been given so much in baby that the rest of the text seems out of order. Having made up and fixed up And provided for me such a person as baby was and is, we get so used to and the Lord gave. We get so used to morning by morning new mercies we see. We get so used to having all that our hearts desire until all we can get to is the Lord gave. Now those who can say Everything I've asked God has given it to me And if that's true in your experience Keep on living Because I'm a witness That there is some more to this verse For it says And the Lord Same God, same God Take him Away we get so used to, and the Lord giveth, we take it for granted, and so when the Lord taketh away, we pitch a temper tantrum. And the sign of Christian maturity is that when the Lord giveth, it, bless it, bless it, we rains down blessings. takes away, Christian maturity. When he breaks your heart, Christian maturity. When he doesn't give you what you ask for, Christian maturity. explanation. He said, your doctors are only practicing physicians. They are not physicians. They are practicing physicians. Job said, here is the explanation. The law took away. Oh, bless his name. My, my. My text not only provides the explanation of her death, but it provides the proper response that I must have. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When her illness became serious and when her doctors in private conference said that they could do all they could do, I thanked them for their services. And my doctor, who's here today with tears in his eyes, almost apologetically said, there's nothing we can do. I said, thank you. You are a practicing physician. You practice the best you can. And I went into the chapel. And in the chapel, I said, God, I want to talk to you.
3: And I want
2: you to permit me to speak to you as I am. I'm an ignorant man. I don't know how to talk to you. You're God. I said to
3: him,
2: If you were mayor, I could talk to you. If you were governor, I could talk to you.
3: Yes.
2: If you were president of the United States, I've talked to several of them. Yes. But you got. Yes. I said, so don't strain me to talk with you. Just let me write, yes. And I talked with God. And when I got through talking with God, I said, I want her back. And you're able to do the miracle i said and yet if there is something better then my love for her says let her go when i got through talking to god two words came into my spirit and i got up two simple words trust me Now, I quickly concluded that this trust me meant that he was going to heal her as a living miracle. But the Spirit did not say that. The Spirit said, trust me. And I said, in an argument, I said, trust you. What is there to trust if you're not going to heal? What is there to trust? My interpretation, I was arguing with the Spirit, is when He said, trust me, that He would bring it out. And He would touch that liver and, like He did her lungs, and make it disappear. But the Spirit says, no, that's, that's not all that He meant. He meant was that He may take her. But trust me, Amen. Amen. I said trust him and he may take a yes. This may be it. But trust me. Trust me me with baby out of your sight. Trust me. Trust, Trust trust, trust doesn't involve yes to what we ask. Yeah. Trust involves that you know the best. Yeah. And if you've
3: got to say no to me to give her the yeah. trust me. Yeah.
2: And I then said, I had to go to my study, and I had to read over what does God do with those that he takes, yeah. so I could strengthen my trust. Yeah. What, what happens to them when the Lord takes them? What happens to people that the Lord doesn't heal? What happens to Christians who who die and leave and remain so I could trust him even more intelligently? And I, I read, blessed of the day,
3: that thou. In the Lord,
2: and He said, "Trust me, for henceforth they cease from their labor. Trust me. I read over there that they are outside from the body. You can't see them, you can't feel them, you can't hear them, you can't hurt them, you can't." is held in his hands. So trust me, the Bible says, hallelujah, hallelujah, that this world is nothing compared to the glory of those who trust Jesus. The Bible says, I have not seen trust me, trust me, trust me, I said, trust me, he said, trust me, trust me, you think she was pretty, but I'll you, you just wait until you see her again, just wait, just wait, I said, just wait until I get out of this earthen vessel and put her in her heavenly God. Just wait until you see her as she is. No more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain. Just wait. Just wait until we're caught up to meet him in there.
3: Just wait us it's all over with. Just wait. Just yes, wait till I get through. Just yes, wait. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me.
0: You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George.